0: Welcome to Harvest Mission Community Church. You are listening to one of our sermons.
1: But I wanted to start off and ask a question, and this might be a really weird question, and I don't even know how many of you even know this, but I want to start off and ask this question. How many of you know how they catch monkeys in Southeast Asia? Does anyone know? Just raise your hand if you know. Okay, maybe one or two out of all you, let me, let me just say this. When I first heard about it, I could not believe it. This is the honest truth. I was just like, no way. You know, when someone tells you something and it's just totally ridiculous, you're like, no way. But then after I saw it, I'm like, first of all, wow, that is cool. That's the first thought I had. And secondly, I'm like, it is so simple, but yet very clever. And so instead of you trying to imagine what it's like, I'm gonna actually show a video of a monkey being caught in Southeast Asia by this man. And as you watch this, I want you to try to draw some illustrations or I guess principles that we could apply into our lives. So let's watch this together. I should have warned some of you who are animal lovers that the monkey was going to roll around. Uh, Did you see what was happening? The thing is that they usually tie that coconut to a a chain so it can't run away. Um, And so what they do is they put these fruits or things that the monkey really enjoys. And this is the interesting part. All the monkey has to do is let go of what's in his hand. That's it, and he can escape. But because he wants it so badly and he's holding on to it, because he's making a fist, he cannot put his hand through that hole. All he has to do is let go and he can pull it out really easily and be set free. Aren't we just like the monkey? There are so many things that you hold to in your life. That puts you in bondage. There are things that you're not willing to let go. Things that you hold on to. And it comes in all various forms. And that's why we're stuck. That's why we wonder to ourselves, how can I get out of this? When all you have to do is to let go of it. And you'll be set free. For some of us, it is to achieve success. Or fame that we hold on to. And that's why you are in bondage. And that's why you're stuck. For some of us, it's to obtain a lot of money and to live comfortably. And you hold on to so much. And that's why you're stuck. That's why you're in bondage. For some of us, it's that we love to play the victim. Someone has hurt me. Or I'm not getting what I want. And instead of taking responsibility for your life. So you hold on to that hurt, you hold on to that bitterness, and that's why you're stuck, and that's why you're not growing. That's why you're not getting anywhere. For some of us, it might be that we want to be liked by people, and we're gripped by this people-pleasing, and that's why we're constantly stuck. Because of all these things, Our hands are stuck in this coconut of life, if you will. And we're constantly tumbling around and wondering what is going on. I think the problem for many of us is that we forget that we're not going to live here on this earth forever. And we forget that one day we're going to have to stand before God and give an account of how we lived our lives. We forget that because... We just live for the here and now and for the present. We forget there will come a time, you don't know when, I don't know when, but there will come a time where you're going to have to stand before God and give an account for your life and what you did with this life that Jesus Christ has purchased for you by dying on the cross. I love what Nate Saint said. He was one of the five martyrs back in 1950 or 1956 in Ecuador And listen to what he wrote. He he was the one who flew in the plane to share the gospel with some of these unreached people. And this is what he said. When life's flight is over and we unload our cargo at the other end, the fellow who got rid of unnecessary weight will have the most valuable cargo to present to the Lord. What a great metaphor. Some of us are amassing so much in our plane that's going to nowhere. And life is not about trying to amass a lot of stuff, but it's about unloading the cargo as much as you can. So when you are on the other side, only those things that remain that are precious, those are the things that we can present to the Lord. You cannot bring your money when you die. You cannot bring your fame. Well, I guess you can because you need to put your name on a building. You cannot take the things that you own with you when you die. But you can't take souls and those people that you have introduced to Jesus Christ. You can take your love for Christ as you stand before Him, as you hear those words, well done, my good and faithful servant. What will you present to God when everything's all said and done? Will it be your GPA? Will it be your degrees and awards that you have won? Will it be your bank account? Will it be your material possessions? This is the reason why we need to live our lives with eternity in view, so that we can trust him for all things. That's why the one thing is simply this. If you look up here, the one thing is, trusting in God is an incredible ride, as you amazingly see God provide. That when you really learn how to trust him for the rest of your life, it is an incredible, it's an adventure. And what saddens me as your pastor is that some of you are living a religious, self-righteous Christianity, and it's killing you. It is literally killing your soul. But when you fully learn how to surrender and to trust in him, it, it, it is it becomes an adventure. It becomes an incredible ride. Because you're gonna see God just providing for you in so many different ways. That's why I keep on saying, watch your language. Because I hear from so many of you, oh, God, we we need to do this. Oh, we we have to do this. Like that shows me what's going on in your heart. I'm big on semantics. Well, Pastor, you know what? No, I don't. Because there's a lot of stuff that that can mean. So instead of I have to or I need to, it's I get to. Can I get a good amen? amen? I get to do this. I get to serve. I get to love God. I get to experience the things that I'm experiencing in this church and in this life group. As soon as you get to, I have to, I need to, your heart is in the wrong place. You don't deserve anything. I don't deserve anything. So when you start getting to, I have to and I need to, you're the hired hand. I get to do this. I am so privileged. I am so honored to do this. I get to follow Christ. I get to live my life for Him. I get to surrender everything that I have to honor Him. That's why trusting in God, it is this incredible ride. And I pray that all of you, wherever you are in your spiritual journey with Christ, you will get to that point where you can also testify This is this is the most amazing thing that you can embark on. If some of you haven't experienced that, then we need to pray and ask God, Lord, show yourself to me. Because whatever I'm doing, something's off. And this message, the whole Sermon on the Mount, it is not an easy message that He was preaching to the people who were so religious. That's why I keep on saying over and over, if I have not offended you at least once in my sermon, I have not preached the gospel. I better have offended you. Because I'm offending myself sometimes. I'm like, oh. (laughs) So there are two things I'm going to talk about in these verses. In verse 19 through 34, how we must remember, if we're going to really believe that trusting in God is this incredible ride as we amazingly see God provide, there's two things we've got to remember. And the first thing is this, we have to be committed to God's calling. Be committed to God's calling. Now, in the previous section, Jesus talked about what? Hypocrisy. He talked about hypocrisy in our giving, hypocrisy in our prayers, and hypocrisy in our fasting. And what he mentions, it's, it's amazing because he says, how can something so good turn out to be so bad? Fasting, prayer, giving, those are all good things. How can something that is such a good thing turn out really bad? And it turns bad really quickly. And what he pointed out to us in a very clear way is that our hearts are wicked. We can take something that is good And turn it around and it becomes something that is really bad. How do we know if our hearts are not in the right place? Well, when you give, do you give only when people notice you? When you pray, do you pray so that others can recognize you? When you fast, do you fast to make sure that everyone knows that you're fasting? And that's why hypocrisy is when we do good things with a bad heart. That's hypocrisy in some ways. You do good things, but with a bad heart. So that you can selfishly gain something or selfishly not lose something. Therefore, I'm going to challenge you with this. Do you know how to kill hypocrisy? Do you know how? Well, Jesus talks about it. If you want to kill, I'm sorry for using such strong language. If you want to annihilate, destroy, hypocrisy in your life, you know what the secret is? The secret is, do it in secret. It is. That's what he taught. Go to your room and pray so no one knows. When you give, don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. When you fast, don't look like you're fasting and go, woe is me. Watch up. Fix your hair. Wear different clothing. So no one knows. So you want to kill hypocrisy? Do things in secret that you know that you ought to do. Stop doing it for recognition. Stop doing it so other people could notice you. Stop doing it because you feel good about yourself. Because that will always lead to hypocrisy, almost 100%. And that's exactly what Jesus was talking about when we look at this Sermon on the Mount. This is the reason why in verse 4, of chapter 6 and verse uh, 6 and verse 18, as Pastor Bo covered last week. He says, and your father who sees in secret will reward you. You want to kill hypocrisy? Do it in secret so no one knows. Man, that's going to kill a lot, of, a lot of us. It's like, oh, why do I do with that? No one will know. That's the point. But God will know. I think those of us who struggle with always wanting to be recognized and wanting approval for peop- from people, I'm telling you right now, if you wanna grow, then do your righteous acts in secret. You will grow like this. Do it in secret. Then starting in verse 19, it seems like Jesus almost shifts gears to address another issue, but you, you gotta listen to me carefully. As I was studying this, I'm like, wow, Jesus is awesome. He's a great teacher. No wonder he's a rabbi. Awesome teacher. Because when you look at this next passage, it just seems like he's addressing a different issue, but it is important to see that it's related to the same issue of hypocrisy, but with a different twist. It is on this topic of treasures and trusting God for the provisions in our lives. So let's just kind of jump into this as we're talking about being committed to God's calling so here are a couple things to think about as we talk about this calling and earthly treasures first thing that we got to try to dissect a little bit here is talk about the fleeting pursuit the fleeting pursuit now it's interesting that when Jesus called the disciples to be his followers he asked them to give up everything you want to follow me you got to give up everything Mark chapter 8, verse 38 through 36. I'm going to read it from the New Living Translation. And in the yellow section, I want you to read it along with me. Read it out loud, that part with me. It says this. Then calling the cross to join his disciples, he said, if any of you wants to be my follower, come on now, you must give up your own way. Take up the cross, take up your cross and follow me. If you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake and for the sake of the good news, you will save it. And what do you benefit if you gain the whole world but lose your own soul? Now, Jesus ratches this up a step higher when he demands complete allegiance. Not just give up your life. I want complete allegiance. Luke chapter 14, verse 26 through 27, and then jumping down to verse 33, I'm going to read it from the message translation to make it a little bit more colloquial or modern day, listen to what it says here. Anyone who comes to me but refuses to let go of father, mother, spouse, children, brothers, sisters, yes, even one's own self cannot be my disciple. Anyone who won't shoulder his own cross and follow behind me can't be my disciple. Simply put, if you're not willing to take What is dearest to you, whether plans, your future plans, or people, and kiss it goodbye. (laughs) You can't be my disciple. Listen to what the Passion Translation says of that last verse, that last phrase. Likewise, unless you, what? Surrender all to me giving up all you possess, you cannot be my disciple. Why the strong call to give up everything to follow Christ? The reason for this, listen to me carefully, the reason for this is that he claimed that he is the way, the truth, and the life. And what he was saying is, I'm going to offer you something that is so much greater, so much more abundant and full. But the problem is, if you're holding on to things in your life, you cannot obtain it. Are you with me? Does that make sense? That's what Jesus was teaching. I have something so good, but unless you let go completely, you're not going to be able to receive it. I don't know about you, but sometimes, you know, you get the munchies late at night. And I'm one of those guys, I'm like making a sandwich and try to do it quietly so my wife would not smell anything. And then she's like, what's going on? You know, this is like middle of the night. And so I'm making all this stuff and sometimes I have to stay up late. So I'm drinking some coffee. So here I am trying to get the bowl that I just made of whatever it is, the French coffee press that I have. And in my little pinky, I'm trying to collect the the mug and then getting some tissues here. And I'm, I'm walking like this. And after a while, I just realized this this is not good. Just make two trips. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? But you you know how it is, like, we can do anything. You can do it. So here I am carrying, like, I I don't know, hanging from all over my body. Sometimes I'm sticking stuff in my pocket so I could carry it, depending on how much I want to (laughs) eat. But Jesus is saying, do you want this? Do you want this abundant life? Then you got to let go. That's why he demanded complete allegiance to him. You can't just take this and a little bit of this, but you got to let go. Can I just challenge us for a moment here? It's not even in my nose. I'm I'm just, something just popped up in my mind. Let, Let me share this. Those of you who are struggling in your walk with God, I want to just challenge you. Maybe one of the first things you're going to have to examine your heart. Are there other things I'm holding on to? And then I want some of this. This good Christianity stuff that helps me. And maybe that's why it's not working. Because it's not supposed to you hold on to all this other stuff. Now please don't misunderstand what I'm saying. As many of you know, in other portions of scripture, family, your job, Your grades or your studies, those callings, those things are important. But that's the point that Jesus is trying to make, is that some of the things that we're pursuing after are fleeting things. They're not going to last. That's why look at verse 19. Let's go ahead and start reading from verse 19 through 21. And as we read this passage, I just want to challenge us to kind of Put yourself in this time with Jesus as he's teaching this at this mountainside. And these are all these people who want to follow him. And listen to what he says. He says this. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moths and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. And then in verse 21, let me just go ahead and read that last part. It says this, For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So what do we notice here? In order to understand what Jesus was teaching, it's important to know how the Jewish people thought during Jesus' time about money, wealth, and prosperity. Everyone say wealth, Wealth. money, Money. and prosperity. prosperity. So you need to get into their mindset and then you will realize, oh, this makes a lot of sense in light of the hypocrisy and everything else he was teaching. The Jewish people during this time, they believed that a sign of how righteous you are and how much God loved you was equated to how wealthy you were. Just think about it. If God loves you, he will what? Bless you. There's a little bit of the prosperity gospel that we hear oftentimes in our generation. So, if God really loves you, he, really cares, he will bless you. So, the more money that you obtain, the more wealth that you have, the more positions of honor that you have, everyone will look at you and say, Wow, God really loves you. You're really favored by God. Like, can you imagine that's so deeply seated in the Jewish culture during this time? So the simple equation is this. The wealthier you are, the more prosperous, prosperous you are, the more money that you have, then you are more righteous and loved by God. Now, it makes sense that they did everything possible to lay down for themselves treasures here on this earth because that just shows that how righteous they are and how much they're loved by God. But the problem that Jesus was pointing out was that n- anything that you store up for yourself here on this earth, will not last. That's the thing that he wants them to realize. It will be subjected to moths, rust, and thieves. It will be stolen. Jesus even gives a parable to explain how foolish it is to store up things in heaven. This this is another portion of scripture. Listen to what he says in Luke chapter 12, verse 15, bravo to verse 21. In the NIV, I'm going to read it from the NIV. Listen to what it says A man's life does not consist of the abundance of his possessions. This is Jesus speaking. Because he's telling them this story, there's a parable, and then he tells them this The ground of a certain rich man produced a good crop. He thought to himself, What should I do? I have no place to store my crop. So, this idea that he's blessed. Because not only does he have all the stuff, but now his crops are even more fruitful. Oh, God loves me. Then he said, this is what I'll do. I will tear down my barns and build bigger ones. And there I will store all my grains and my goods. And I will say to myself, you have plenty of good things laid up for many years. Take life easy. Eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, you fool. This very night, your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? This is how it will be with anyone who stores up things for himself, but it's not rich towards God. Man, that first section sounds like a Chinese family. Work hard, study, do all the stuff, make a lot of money, be successful, and then you can Relax. Those of you who are not from the Asian descent, just think about the American dream or the British dream. I don't know where you're from. (laughs) The Western dream, being successful. So you can have that cabin, the log cabin somewhere in the woods, and just relax. Or on the beach, sipping lemonade. And Jesus, you fool, you're going to die tonight. You don't even know. And you're amassing all the stuff into your life. That's why Jesus says, stop laying for yourself things of this earth. Because it's not going to last. But shift it to do things that you are laying yourself things up in heaven that are eternal. Now the question is, is Jesus against treasures, wealth, or success? Of course not. But what he is trying to say is that sometimes we are pursuing the wrong things and it is consuming us. Can I just challenge us and ask this question? What is it in your life right now that is consuming you? What's consuming you? Your studies? Why? Probably because you want to get a good grade. Why? Because if I get a good grade, Pastor, then... I get to put on my CV. Why? If I put on my CV, I can get a good job. But why do you want a good job? Uh, Hello, did you see the market of housing here? So that I can make a lot of money and then be comfortable and buy my own flat and hopefully get ready to get married. But why? Well, the Bible says procreate. So to have a baby and family? But
0: but why?
1: then, Then what? Well, eat, drink, and be merry, and then just die. See, what Jesus does is he's put this in a framework of things that are eternal compared to those that are temporal. We're constantly pursuing this fleeting pursuit of things that only last here on this earth. The problem for many of us is that we take things that are good and make them our ultimate things. Studying, is that a good thing? Of course it is, growing in knowledge. To make money, of course that's a good thing. So then hopefully you can use some of that to bless other people and to have leverage and to do things that you might not be able to do. To maybe grow in your influence, have your picture up in somewhere in Causeway Bay. (laughs) Possibly. Hopefully for the glory of God and to influence for glory of God. I better see a halo up there. Halo. Anyway, this is the reason why so many of us get disillusioned, discontent, and dissatisfied. That's why in verse 21, Jesus says, Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Listen to what it says in the NI, New Living Translation. And read these part phrases with me so it'll stick into your heart. It says this, the same verse, but different twist to it. It says, wherever your treasure is there, the desires of your heart will also be. Listen to the message translation. It's obvious, isn't it? The place where your treasure is is the place that you will most want to be and end up being. This is amazing. A lot of people are like, how did I get here? Why am I like this? Hello? like, it boggles my mind every time I'm sitting across from you know, I have it it's none of you, it's those other people that I have counseling sessions with, but I'm sitting there across from the room and I'm just, like, you know, in the table, I'm just listening to him like, yeah, I don't know how I got here, I, I don't know, and I'm just like, mm. Did you ever try the message translation? Matthew chapter six. You are where you are right now because in your heart you have determined that's where you're wanting to be. Now listen, this is what Satan does. He does a lot of bait and switch. He, he promises a lot but delivers on so little. So some of you have bought into the lie and thinking that this is what's going to make me happy. This is what's going to make me have all this experience. And then you get there and you realize, no, it's not. And so you're stuck. You're in bondage. Other things are going on. But that's the principle that Jesus is teaching. You are where you are because your heart has determined, that's what I want. Look at the Amplified version. It says this, for where your treasure is, there your heart, your wishes, your desires, that, come on now, on which your life centers will be also. You have centered your life around some of these things that are not bad things. They're good things, but you have made them ultimate things. That's why you're dissatisfied. That's why you're d- discontent. That's why you're disillusioned. And that's a part I'm constantly trying to help people to take responsibility. Stop blaming people. You thought if I did this, and I could be recognized. I could be loved by people. I could maybe get this. But then you do it and you don't. So you blame people. You play the victim. No one forced you. You made a decision. You decided to do it. Because you centered your whole life around that thing, around that person. Look at the the Passion Translation. For your heart will what? Always pursue what you value as your treasure. It's the heart. That's what Jesus is trying to get at throughout this whole sermon on the mount. You can do all these external things. It means nothing. That's what he's trying to teach. It is your heart. You have heard it once said, do not murder. But I tell you the truth. Truly, truly, I say to you, have you ever hated anybody? You've committed murder in your heart. Just think about what we covered so far. All this teaching—it's not about the external behavior. It's not—and I realize, being in Asia, everything is about like obeying the law. But it's really sneaky because it's about obeying the law but still being rebellious. I was just hanging out with some guys uh, this past weekend. And I found out that once the national security uh, law has passed, there were some stores that would have all these signs, you know, yellow and all that stuff. And so they were actually told to take it down. Or they're going to get written up or they're going to be in trouble. So, you know, what do you do? You got to obey the law, right? And so they started tearing down these signs. So guess what they do? They put yellow stickies. So you're obeying the law, but your heart is somewhere else. Now, I'm not trying to make a political statement. I'm just using that as just to try to help highlight the type of hearts that we have as humans. We obey the law, but we really are not really obeying it. We're rebellious by nature. What are you pursuing after? What are you sending your life around? What is it that you value? If it's not the things of God and the things of the kingdom of God, then you're storing for yourself things on this earth which will fade away. It is a fleeting pursuit. Listen to what William Barclay said. He says this, his commentator says this. Here is the great truth that only when we see things in light of God, do we see things as they are. It is only when we see things in the light of God that we see things that are really important and what things are not. Things which seem vastly important, things like ambition and prestige and money and gains, lose all their value and importance when they are seen in the light of God. Pleasures and habits and social customs which seem permissible enough are seen for the dangerous things they are when they are seen in the light of God. This is our theme. God, shine on us. Shine on us. Help us to see things through your light so that when we look at the world, we'll see things a little bit more clearly and the lies that Satan tells us that we easily bite into and we bite into it and then guess what happens? We get stuck. So I want you to think about this. The calling that God has given us. We've got to understand the fleeting pursuit. And I want you to see this next thing. It's the freeing priority. Like, okay, I'm going to ask us, how many of you have ever been with your friends or family? And somebody inevitably asks this question, what do you want to eat? (laughs) Or let me put it in another way. Oh, what do you have a craving for? You know what the problem is with living in Hong Kong? There are so many options and so many choices. So what do you do? You gotta narrow it down to what? A cuisine type. First it's like Eastern, Western. That just chops it in half. Because under Western, there's only like a handful of pizza, hamburger, you know, that kind of stuff. And then Eastern, there's a lot of more choices and stuff. So you gotta cut that in half and we're trying to decide. When you have so many options, we're not able to prioritize very well. But listen to me, this is the irony. The more choices or options you have, the more you need to prioritize. Are you with me? Think about this for a moment. Is that when you have so many choices, it's hard to prioritize. But because there are so many choices, you have to prioritize. Let's continue in verse 22 to 24. Listen to what it says here. As we read this passage, it says, The eye is the lamp of the body, so if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light, is, uh, light in you is darkness, how great is the darkness! No one can serve two masters, for neither he will ha- for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. Now, Jesus uses this illustration about the eye being the lamp in the body. And he says, if the eye is healthy, then it will be full of light. But if it's not, then it's going to be dark. Pretty much what he's trying to say is, if our goal in life is to lay up all these earthly treasures, then there will be darkness from within. But if you're looking to serve God, to glorify God, to use the resources to advance his kingdom, then light will shine out of you. And Jesus closes out this section by reminding us that you cannot serve two masters. Now, the reason why it is impossible to serve two masters is because there will always be times when both of them will demand something of you at the same time and they will be in conflict with one another. This is what Jesus is teaching. Now, when I was thinking about this, I I realized there's two groups of people with, with this particular thought. First, there's the people pleasers, those who are really trying hard to please somebody, whoever it may be. It could be your parents, it could be your kids, I don't know, your friends, just whoever you're trying to please. And then the other group are people who don't know how to commit. So think about it. These are the two groups that this principle applies to. People pleasers and those who don't know how to commit. Do you know that these two people are the most miserable people on the earth? Somebody like, I don't know. Am I? It's called self-awareness. But let me try to describe it and be like, oh, yeah. The reason why they are the most miserable people on this earth, these two groups of people, is that they have conflicting masters. One is they have people, different demands, because think about a people pleaser. They're trying to please this person, but then what if this other person wants something else? You know what I'm talking about? Don't raise your hand, but how many of you guys been there? (laughs) This person wants left, this person wants right. That's why they're miserable. People pleasers are usually the most miserable people because there's going to come a time when, when everything's okay, when the demands are given at different times, great. You might get a little bit bitter. Oh, I'm so tired. Why do they want so much from me? But, but at least you're able to kind of please both sides. But life sucks when you have both of them wanting something at the same time in different ways, conflicting demands. This other group who don't know how to commit. Do you know why they're so miserable? <laughs> because you know who their master is? Themselves. They only live for themselves. And I'm telling you right now, that is one of the most miserable lives you could ever live. So these are the guys who never commit to, let's say, church or life group. Because, you know, oh, we're having harvest day. I'm there. Oh, we haven't seen you for a while. I'm just kidding. Those of you who are like that, we love you. We love you. Please. Please. We love you. We're not pushing you away. Join us. We love you. But I had so many conversations in the last five years and then add another 20 years back in Michigan, and this is the same conversation. They're part of this one group and then another part of this group. Okay? Check this out. Everything's fine when the demands are different at different times. They might be like, oh, I'm so tired. I don't know why, but they're able to do it. But then there's something called fall or autumn break. And it just so happens that this group wants to do an outing, and then this group wants to do the outing at the same time. How do you choose? Can you imagine if you're a people pleaser and you Game over. You might as well just die right now. So they're miserable because if they go here, then these people are like, what's going on? Are they like, oh, Okay, maybe I'll just come for one hour over here. They're like, what's going on? With that hour is really important because we're going to do this games. And they're like... Oh. Those of you who are single adults working... Huh, I could come up with a. But talk to me afterwards. We don't have time. I'm trying to move along here. <laughs> Listen to what the Amplified Version says of verse 24. No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Mammon is an Aramaic word, a biblical word, it's not just money money is a big part of it but that's why the amplified version translates that word mammon as money possessions fame status whatever is valued more than the lord so anything it doesn't it's not money so when you just read it in the esv it's like you cannot serve god or money i have no money so jesus i love you i'm devoted to you come on now come on now you know that's That's why I need to help you to understand this word because what he's saying is it's not just money, it's anything, anything, possessions, fame, whatever your heart is set on, that's mammon. And that itself, if it conflicts with God who is our master and our Lord, then that's where the tension you will begin to feel in your life. Listen to this. It is not wrong to possess things. Can I get a good amen to that? There is nothing wrong to possess things, but it is wrong for things to possess you. There is nothing wrong to possess things, but when things starts possessing you, that's when we have idolatry. That's when it's hypocrisy. That is the very thing that Jesus is trying to address in this portion of scripture, don't lay your for yourself treasures on this earth that will rust away and people will steal and it's going to eat away, but lay yourself treasures for treasures in heaven. How about us this morning? What are we worshiping? What multiple gods are there in our lives that's competing for our ultimate? I'm wondering what are you prioritizing above God that you've forgotten about your calling? to be a disciple, to lay everything down, to follow after him. Do you know your heart's desire and the things that you're chasing after? Be committed to God's calling. Let me close with this. You have to not only be committed to his calling, but in order for us to enjoy this ride, an incredible ride, as he will amazingly provide for us if we really believe this, Not only do you have to be committed to the calling to follow him, but you have to be convinced of God's care for you. You have to be thoroughly convinced of God's care for you. Let me go ahead and read verse 25 through 32. Listen to what it says. Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? one of these but if God so clothes the grass of the fields which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven will he not much more clothe you O you of little faith therefore do not be anxious saying what shall we eat or what what shall we drink or what shall we wear for the Gentiles seek after all these things and your heavenly father knows that you need them all. Can I just pause here and just comment on this section here? You will notice the phrase, do not be anxious. Do you know how many times they repeat it in this section? Three times. Once in verse 25, once in verse 31, and once in verse 34. So, three times when there's repetition in scripture, it means it is very important. That's why the Amplified Version says this Therefore, I tell you, stop being worried or anxious perpetually uneasy, distracted about your life. Man, I'm telling you right now, there are so many people who are distracted. You know who are the most distracted? When they graduate, they don't have a job. So like, oh, that was all right. Yeah, because you got it right away, but can you imagine just months and months, perpetually uneasy, distracted. Worried, Anxious. Do you know who else? Some of the sisters. In about a month, they're going to turn 30. Anxiety. Worry. Perpetually... Uneasy, (laughs) distracted. Man, the list goes on and on and on. Now, I hope you know just because it's not in the Bible doesn't mean that you know it doesn't exist. It's a principle. And you apply that into other areas of your life. And I'm telling you, whatever makes you uneasy and just worried and anxious, that's what he's addressing. It's important to Jesus that his followers would not allow the cares of this world to distract or divide their hearts or their minds. This is why Jesus uses several illustrations to show how God will provide for them if they will trust, if they will believe that he cares for them. You talk to any child when they're young and they don't get what they want. They always say, mom and dad, they don't love me. It just, like sometimes like when I, when I heard that when our kids were really young, you know, when someone slaps you, you're like, what? And then once you come to your senses, you're like, boy, I wiped your poop and some water fountain was spraying and I'm like I we, we mm. so th- there are times when you're like w- what and that's how we are sometimes aren't we I know sometimes I have catch myself because when I don't get things when I want it at what time I want it and how I want it and it's easy to act like this, like spoiled brat. Because we want this right now. This is how we want it. And God's like, I'm not going to cave into your own desires because it might not be good for you. So he says, look at the birds. <laughs> what, what do they do? I, I don't know. <laughs> you know, I was, was, was going to try to mimic it, but I can't. But, you know, with their beaks, they're like... And they just happen to find food at different places. Cause God just leaves food all over. Look at the lilies of the field. So I was thinking, lilies of the field, what does that look like? And so I typed it up and I said, <laughs> what did I type up? I think I wrote, flowers on a field or something like that. And then I came across this website that has a top 20 fields in the world, that's lit up with flowers. Now, like those things don't really move me, but when I saw it, I'm like, oh, you know, kind of like that pleasantly surprised kind of thing. So I am want to show you some of them. All right, so look, can we can we see some of these things? Okay, this is the Netherlands. I mean, I don't know how clearly you can see it, but we're we're talking about fields are just covered. With these tulips. Let's see a couple others. I I think we have about three or four. This is in Spain. Sunflowers. You're my sunflower, right? So, this is in Spain. Let's see another picture here. This is in Japan. With the Fuji. I mean... It, it comes at certain seasons of the year, but it just fills the whole field. I mean, I, I feel like that's something worth visiting, right? Just with the Fuji Mountain in the back. Or Fiji Mountain. Or Fuji, yeah, Fuji Mountain. <laughs> <sighs> Fiji.
0: Oh,
1: well, yeah, Fiji is water.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> I want to lemonade on a beach somewhere. <laughs> the, I think one more. Okay, one more picture. Let's look at this. This is Lavender out in uh, France. Francais. <laughs> come on, Tepo. Yeah. Come on.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> Listen, why did he give these illustrations about the birds and the fields? Because he is trying to remind the people of their worth. Listen to me. Everyone say worth. 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 Jesus uses this how much more argument language. It's to compare. If this is like that, then how much more? If the birds, they don't even have to look for food, but it's just there, how much more? That's why in verse 26, Bravo, it says, aren't you not of more value than they? The living Bible says, you are far more valuable to him than they are. The voice translation says, you are even more precious to him than a beautiful bird. That's why in verse 30, it says, will he not much more clothe you? When you know that he knows, then it helps. God knows all the things that you need. The question is for us, do you trust that he knows you and he knows your needs better than you know them yourself? Can I just kind of have us think for a moment? What does worry do to us? You guys know? Now, I'm going to guess in a room this big, I would say there is a good handful of you right now are struggling with anxiety and worry for various things going on in your life. Let me just describe to you some of the stuff that's happening in your life right now. First of all, it interferes with your joy. Joy of the Lord. You you don't have it. I'm guessing right now your spiritual life, is not going really well. You just have no joy. Everything's just a chore. Going out to life group is a chore. Coming to Sunday, doing all this stuff. Serving is a chore. Because you're worried about something. Secondly, it interrupts our rhythm of life. So such thing as sleeping and eating. When you start worrying, if you ever lay there in bed and your eyes are just like open, and you look at the clock, it's like 12 o'clock. And the next thing you do, you look over and it's 1.30. You look over, it's 3 o'clock in the morning. Like, it literally interrupts the rhythm of your life. Third, it initiates negative thoughts. This is where unbelief starts happening. Like, as soon as you start worrying about, maybe God doesn't love me. Maybe he doesn't really care. Maybe he's trying to punish me for something. Like, it really, when you start getting worried and you don't trust, it starts initiating these negative thoughts. Fourth, it intensifies self-sufficiency. You're like, well, if God's not gonna do anything, then I'm gonna have to just watch out for myself. I'm gonna have to take care of things for myself. So then you start being very proactive. No, please don't misunderstand me. There's nothing wrong with being proactive. But you're gonna do things that is very self-sufficient because you're, you're, you're not believing and trusting that God will provide, that God cares for you, that God knows you. So you're gonna try to do things on your own strength, your own wisdom, You might even manipulate certain things. It intensifies. And lastly, it increases a sense of hopelessness. Like, I don't think it's going to ever change. This is what worry does. And Satan will love every single one of these things to happen at the same time in your life. This is why Jesus drives home the point. He says, you shouldn't worry. Don't be anxious. But trusting God. He says, what even the Gentiles... Don't be like them. What he's saying, the word Gentiles is those uh, pre-Christians or those who don't believe in God. He says, don't be like them because they have no other hope. That's why they should worry. Because this is all they have. But you who are a child of God, you have God on your side. How should you, why should you worry? Does he not know you? Look at the birds of the air and the fields They're covered with all the rays. I'm going to pause here, and uh, some of you might not know, but there have been a lot of people in our church who have actually gone through some of these things that I talked about and where their faith has really been tested, where they had to wrestle through, do I really believe in this thing or not? And if God, if you're going to deliver, then you're going to have to do it. And so I'm just going to invite, uh, you know, because I was walking with this brother, and just, it's been very encouraging for me to just see what God has been doing in his life. So I said, you know what? It'll be great, not just for a handful of people to hear, but I wanted you guys to hear that everything that we're talking about here, to fully trust in God, that God will do some amazing things. So let's have Peter uh, Zane come on up and share with us what All right, brother.
0: Hi Church, uh, my name is Peter. I'm from the PolyU Life Group Exalt. <laughs> <laughs> Trade for Harvest Games. Um, I'm from PolyU. <laughs> I majored in electrical engineering, and right now I'm currently working. I've been part of this church since 2016 uh, August, and so today I would like to share a bit about how God has been helping me place my trust and dependence onto Him, and not on the things of this earth. Um, just a little background, I'm always a person driven by comfort. Uh, being able to born into a middle-class family with Christian values always gave me a certain aspect of pride. Uh, when I see other people struggling with their pre-Christian parents uh, because of the clash of values, I would always have compassion, but there's always a small side of me that is relieved that I don't have to experience that. I love my family, and there wasn't a thing that I wouldn't do to honor them. However, as time passed by, I eventually let my family become my functioning God here on this earth. I was financially dependent on them. I was emotionally dependent on them. And whatever they said, I found it harder and harder to do things against their will, even when there are times where I feel like God is calling me to go somewhere else. And in this past February, um, as some of you might know, that the 2020 Summer Missions Project sign-up had opened. It was a special time because of just the COVID situation and the pandemic. I talked about the possibility of me signing up with my family. We had um, some discussions beforehand, but my parents were very against it because of how COVID was going on. Um, after spending a considerable amount of time just praying and asking God, I felt that God was nudging me to take this step of faith and still sign up. I struggled because here I was, clearer than ever before, sensing that God was nudging me to go one way while my parents were telling me to go the other way. I still decided to uh, sign up in the end, and lo and behold, I was accepted as part of the 2020 Summers Thailand missions team. I didn't share with my parents that I had joined the missions team in the beginning uh, because I was afraid of any confrontation with my parents. Um, For so long, I valued the peace and harmony in my family, and I think that was something that hindered me from uh, just even coming clean with anything that I did even related to church. However, after consulting with different people, Um, I knew that I had to come clean. And after stating my stance, explaining the reasonings of why I signed up for missions, how I really feel like this is a calling from God uh, for this season of my life, my parents were extremely unhappy. My mother decided to take away my uh, Poly U master's offer, uh, cut me off financially, told me that their blessings for me uh, stopped there, and um, (coughs) demanded that I return (laughs) my violin to them. (laughs) And also, uh, didn't talk to me for six months. Um, during these six months, I struggled. I struggled to find a job. I was one of those graduates who went on months and months without a job. Um, I struggled to save money. I struggled to sleep. And I tried everything. I applied for so many jobs. I bust every day to eat. But I still struggled. I struggled to have any form of self-worth. And... Um, Thank you. Uh, I felt like a worthless piece of trash, tossed away and unable to do anything. And why wouldn't I feel this way if I were to look at myself through the world's lens? Here I was graduated, unable to secure a job, not having enough money to even eat healthily, not having a healthy relationship with my family, and most importantly, I was helpless to change anything. I felt like I was sinking in a quicksand of troubles and I couldn't help myself out. I was a failure, I wasn't good enough, and if this was the life of following God, I don't know if I want it anymore. But then that's the whole point. And I really thank God just so much for placing people around me at that time to speak wisdom into me. I was reminded that I was a failure and I would never be good enough and I would always be worthless by my own, by myself. But the thing was I hated that idea. I hated that I couldn't do anything to, to help myself, I hated that I couldn't depend on myself, and I hated that the things I loved and trusted, my family, my financial security, were being pulled away and I couldn't do anything. That's exactly what God was speaking to me, that I always would be in a quicksand sinking and not able to pull myself out because that was never the point. God never wanted me to pull myself out. He wanted me to realize that he was the one that could help me. God is the only one that I could depend on because I tried everything else and it all fell. And if I place my worth in earthly things, the jobs, the family, the money, I'm destined to feel disappointed and worthless somewhere down the line because these things are never sustainable. They will never be constant. God took away my strongholds all at once to reveal to me that my heart is still rooted to these earthly things and how fleeting these things can be. It was as if God was saying, come to me and I can show you so much more. And God is so graceful that he spent this time to help me to turn back to trust and depend on him. After wrestling with myself for a few weeks, I finally decided to let go. I still apply for jobs, I still pray for my family, but I decided to stop putting my identity in these earthly things. God will have a way for me. I didn't know it yet, but I believe that he is my father, he is my dad, and he will not let me be tested beyond my strength. But with the testing, he will provide the way out so that I may be able to endure it. I've decided to place him as the one thing that I pursue, not my job or my family. Fast forward to August this year, my mom suddenly decided to call me on my birthday. I received three job offers within a week, and I received many generous anonymous love offerings that allowed me to eat. And looking back, it was, I think it was really funny. It was like God was saying, see, do you see how powerful I am and how I'm the only thing that you will ever, ever need in your life? Literally right after I decided to trust in God and depend on Him, He answered all my worries within that one month. And I don't think God was saying to follow Him and everything I want that He will bless me with it, but it is only when I place my trust, my dependence in God that am I ready to receive these blessings, because now I won't be distracted by all these earthly things. And that's my experience of how God has revealed to me that placing my worth in earthly things will be fleeting, but only when I trust and depend on God can I experience true peace. Thank you, everyone.
1: Uh, That's good stuff right there. Come on, let's applaud the Lord again. Let me do that. I, I was just so encouraged to see all the ups and downs in his journey. And when God answered in that way, Uh, It just reminded me why I do what I do and why we do what we do as a church. And I'm praying that this will be a journey for many of us. Can I just close out with these two verses at the end? Listen to what it says here. It says, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself, sufficient for the day is its own trouble. What God is simply saying is this. When you seek after him and you believe that he does care for you, you're convinced of it. And that's why you can trust. If you're not convinced of it, you're not going to be able to trust. But the more you're convinced of it and you trust in him, that's when you're going to see God answered, not necessarily the way you want it to be answered, but in a way that's beyond your imagination. And that has been his track record, not only in my life, in so many other people's lives. And that's why trusting in God is just one incredible ride as you amazingly see God provide in your life. If I can give you some quick next steps to think about, we'll just read it together. First thing is this, tell God that you love him with short praises. I wanna just encourage us this coming week, like a lot of times you just have to make it a habit And sometimes one of the best ways to do it is connect this action to something that's very simple. As soon as I step into an MTR train, I'm just going to say, thank you, Jesus, just for watching over me or guiding me. Just simple praises to God. Or if any good news or anything happens, to direct praises to God. Because what it does is it begins to change your mindset that God will be for you, not against you. The second thing is this. It's take nothing that you have for granted. People who are always developing a, a grateful heart, gratitude in their lives, I'm t- telling you right now, those are the people who are elevating to higher levels. You don't need six skills. You just need one. You just need one. Learn how to be grateful. Don't take anything for granted. Everything you have, everything that you experience is the grace of God. And so remember that. The third thing is this, trust God to provide for you by praying. Like that's the only way. You don't sit around, but by you praying, it postures you. It helps to you reorient your mind. It centers your heart. And so to really trust, to be fully convinced that he cares for you. And so trust in him by praying. Don't just trust in him and say, okay, I trust in But start praying, and that's where the trust Will begin to grow. I can't do this, God, but you can. And lastly, thank God for the small things. Thank God for the small things. I want to encourage us as we close out here, just to remember that the things that God is doing in your life, He does it because He wants you to experience the joy of walking with Him. And sometimes I, I sit there and I or stand or whatever, I'm just thinking to myself and I'm saying, God. Like, do we need to do all this, like, big stuff? Like, just lay our life down? And, and I'm just realizing more and more as I'm getting older that sometimes it's in the little simple things that not only does it make an impact in people's lives, but it's the simple little things where those acts of obedience can really translate into experiencing the joy of following Jesus Christ. I wanted to close out with this really quick two-minute video that simply shares with you little things that you can do throughout this week. And maybe some of you can identify because you're doing some of these things now. Don't give up. Keep on doing those things as you realize it's Jesus Christ who is motivating you because he died on the cross for your sins. And that's why I'm going to do all these things for his name's sake. So let's watch this together. And I'm going to have us close out as we worship some worship the Lord with some songs. let's watch it together let's stand together as we close here I'm going to ask us at this moment if we could just bow our heads and close our eyes I'm just wondering if some of you are at a stage of your life or maybe just in your spiritual journey that for whatever reason, that's the things that you're doing now, something is off. It just, it's, it's not clicking. You're anxious, you're worried. It just seems like you have to do things. And you're wondering, something is going on. I don't know what it is, but something's going on. And my challenge to you is that there might be things that you're holding on to that you have not let go. And for each person in this room, it's different. Just depending on your experience, the way you were raised up. The person next to you, what they struggle with is not what you struggle with and what you struggle with is not what they struggle with. And that's the beauty of the gospel message. This was not the way it was supposed to be. The broken relationships, just the things that we're chasing after that keeps on leaving us empty and longing for more and we realize nothing's satisfying. You go from one relationship to another, one job to another, one city to another, constantly on the search. And I'm telling you this morning, you cannot run away from yourself no city, no relationship, no job, no grades, nothing will be able to address that angst that you feel in your heart. And it's only by Jesus Christ. That's why He came into this earth, died on the cross, and rose again from the dead so you and I can experience new life. Because He's saying, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. The thief only comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I have come to give life abundantly. But the problem is we're still holding on, just like that monkey, we're holding on, and we're stuck, we're trapped, and God is saying, let go. Fully trust. Be convinced that I care. Be convinced that I know you better than you know yourself. committed to this calling of being a disciple no matter how hard it is because your other choice is to live for yourself and it will always lead you back to where you were from the beginning always wanting more that's why Jesus says seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you let's make a commitment as a church not just individually but as a whole church that we will be the people of God, the community of God that will put Him in the center of our lives and we're going to seek Him and His kingdom above all other things. And whatever it is that we need, not only individually, but even as a church, whatever we need, is going to be added unto us. And we believe that by faith. So Heavenly Father, I just pray for every single one of us here. No matter where we are, some of us, I just feel like some of you are just I described you because you are worried, you are anxious, you can't, you have, you haven't been able to go to sleep. Some of you decided to turn to yourself. You're forsaking some of those things that you know that are true, just for that temporary, just so that because you can't trust him. You can't believe that he's good. I feel like there's some of us here. And I don't know if if that's you. I just want to encourage you. This is your opportunity. Just let go of whatever's in that coconut. Just let go and allow your hands to be free. And then so you can receive what it is that God wants to give unto you. So Father, I just do pray for every single person who's wrestling in their hearts, this uneasiness they're trying to figure out why their life is where they are. I just pray that by your grace, that you will remind us that you've given us this high calling. Help us to be committed to that. And God, you care for us and help us to be convinced of that. And that's when we're going to be able to fully trust you and enjoy this incredible ride as we see you provide for us in all areas of our lives. Lord, I pray that there'll be more testimonies like Peter's and many more experiences that we can sing all praise and glory unto you. Because that's what happens when we fully, as your children, lay all things aside and believe that you are a great and mighty God, that you're more than able to do things that we can only imagine and think of, but you're able to do it as we fully trust in you. So Father, I just pray that you will come by the power of the Holy Spirit right now and touch every single person, wherever we may be, Lord. And we're just asking you, Lord, that you will release just a new spirit in us, a new anointing, a fresh anointing. On us right now, Lord, that all the things that we've been pursuing after fleeting things, as we now prioritize your kingdom and our relationship with you, we're gonna experience things that we've never experienced before. I'm gonna ask us right now, just symbolically, just in your heart, I don't know what that means for you, but can you just right in front of you lay your hands just bare and open and bare? Will you just do that right now? Just between you and God. No one else is watching. And just think about what are some of those things that were in your hand. I don't know what it is. Something with the future. Maybe a relationship, a job, your grades, whatever. They're resting on your hands right now. And God is saying, I want you to trust me and lay those things down at the foot of the cross and let me Write your story. That's what God, the Lord is saying to us. He will say, let me write the story because I write it so much better. It's going to be so much more beautiful. It's going to be so much more laced with grace and forgiveness and touches of my love and just my sovereignty, my providence, my omnipotence. And it's going to fill that field of our lives with these beautiful flowers that we can say, God, it was all you. So that will bring him glory, bring him honor, not to us, but to him. So just with the open hands right now, I want you to just in your own timing, just when you're ready, just say, God, here it is. Whatever that's in your hands, say, just offer it to him. And can we just spend the next 30 seconds or so just thanking him, believing by faith, God, as I fully trust in you, you're going to do your thing. Some of the, Sometimes this ride is like crazy. It's like riding those red minibuses. It's crazy. But man, it's going to be a ride as we buckle up. It's going to be an incredible ride. And why do we want to live lives any other way? mundane and just wondering what is the purpose God's going to show you every day is going to be new every day is going to be exciting there's people you're going to meet opportunities that will come up things that will happen you'll be like wow that's a wow God moment right there let's believe that by faith so can we just pray that and say thank you Lord we believe it's going to happen right now in Jesus name come Holy Spirit we thank you Lord Jesus Thank you for listening to the Harvest Mission Community Church Podcast. For more information, visit our website at hongkong.hmcc.net.